Welcome to the Harrison Faith Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor Brian Herring. It's our prayer. This message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. Good morning. Good morning, St. Harrison Faith. It is good to be in the house of the Lord today. It is so good. Thank you for choosing to come and be a part of this day with us today. How many know we serve an amazing God that loves each of us dearly? Amen. I've heard it said many times that he loves us so much that he will meet us right where we are. But I love this extra point that I've heard so many different times that he loves us so much that he won't leave us the way we are. He wants to bring about change in each and every one of us. He wants to bring about something new in each and every one of us. And I know that, and that's my prayer and my hope today uh, as part of this message that I know the Lord has spoken into my life. It is a joy that when we wake up in the morning and our eyes pop open, we have breath in our lungs. It is a joy because we have what? A new day that he's given us. Every day is a new day to tackle. Every day is a new day. I love that the word tells us that his mercies are what? They are new every single morning. He is such an amazing God that he loves us and he loves the new. There's naturally something, uh, something powerful and built in excitement with something new. Now, whether it's something that you've always wanted, maybe it's something that you've needed for a long time, uh, but it, it, there's just a joy that comes with something new. I don't know about anybody else, I, uh, I love sports and I love going to sporting events. Uh, how many have ever watched uh, grown adults, not just men, I know women alike, but when uh, they start to throw out t-shirts or free giveaways, have you seen what happens? <laughs> Something crazy takes place. I've seen grown men absolutely like almost tackle each other to get a t-shirt. Now, I haven't ever tackled anybody, but I am one of those guys that goes ballistic. I'm waving my arms like, it's, it's crazy. I'm probably not even going to wear that t-shirt. Anybody else? It's just getting something new. There's a joy. There's something special about getting something new. Anybody else enjoy getting something new? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I've got a, something new, a little bit something new here. And I'm going to ask Colton. I didn't tell you before because I didn't want you to know. But if you will, come on up, up on the stage. You can come around. Want you to help me with a little bit of an intro? Yeah. Anybody recognize that? Yeah. A little bit of Price is Right up in here. All right, this isn't really in Price is Right. I'm not gonna make you guess the price. Yeah. Yo, you're winning. Yeah. Do you like getting something new? Depends on what it is, I guess. <laughs> uh, how about if it's free and new? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody likes getting something new. Before I let you, you get to keep whatever's in this box, okay? So just know that you get to keep whatever's in this box, and this isn't like let's make a deal where I've got three doors, and you get three pigs behind one door and a donkey behind another door and a car. You're not getting a car today. Sorry. So maybe a truck. Nah, I don't think a truck can fit in this, but you do get to keep whatever's in it. I'm going to ask you before we open this up, what is your favorite? I'm going to put you on the spot. Your favorite gift, something new that you've received in your life. Put him on the spot. Yes. Mm. I don't know. Anything. Anything. That's all right. That's all right. Well, why don't you go ahead, dig into that gift. Are you one of those guys that like saves the paper or do you tear into it? Tear into it. Let's go. Come on. Tear into it. Anybody excited about something new? Go ahead and open it up, man. Let's go. Oh, 
Awesome. Awesome. You see another, any other parents enjoy moments like this? Christmas time, it's some of the joy. Well, before you open that up, there's something about that. Have you seen the excitement grow in your kids' eyes when they see that it's another gift that they get to open another gift? Instead of it just being one, they get to open like 20. You're not going to open 20 today, but all right, go ahead. <laughs> it might be. All right, it's another Amazon box. And what is it? It's another box. Dude, you're a big winner today. I love it. Go ahead, open it up. Go ahead. Are you having fun with this? No? Oh, did they? Oh, that's fun. That's fun. Oh, he's already burnt out. Okay. Just a note, note for the wiser. He's burnt out. Okay. Let's open this up and see what you got. Keep going. We've got a piece of paper. It's not a box. If you will, read this for us. This is just a short journey to something new, but filled with excitement as you followed the cues. Now seek some help from you amazing youth crew and ask all them to search under their pew. All right, youth crew. He wants your help. Search under your pew. Anybody see anything? Cody, right there to your left, underneath. It's there. I checked. All right. That's not yours, Cody. You don't get to keep it. But Colton, that is yours. Go on go on out. Thanks for helping today. Just leave it. It's good. Thanks. Just leave it. It's good. That is a gift card, a little free date moment for you guys, you and your wonderful fiance, to our lovely Neighbors Mill here in town. Anybody like Neighbors Mill? Good stuff. Little date thing. Thanks for helping me out on that. Man, it's fun to get something new. There's excitement. Now, I remember as a kid, there was uh, some joy. One of my greatest memories in getting something new as a kid, it wasn't a Christmas. I wasn't opening up a present. It wasn't a, uh, a, a birthday or even any special day. But uh, I'm not even sure exactly how old I was, probably five or six years old, and our refrigerator went out. Okay, you think you're little, five or six years old, and you're excited about getting a new refrigerator. Not really. I wasn't really excited about all that, but we had to get a new refrigerator. What I was excited about was what it came in. Can I get an amen? All right, the box. And when you're five or six years old, that box looks huge. I look back on refrigerator boxes now, and I'm like, man, that was tiny. But man, me and my little brother loved that box. We loved it. It was something so new to us. We cut a door in it. We cut windows in it. We drew on the walls inside. We put our blankets and pillows inside of it. We wanted a fort so bad, and now we had a fort. Man, it was awesome. We lived, at least as far as I can remember. That was a long time ago. But as far as I can remember, I feel like we lived in that thing for a few days. We loved that thing. Loved it. It was so new, so awesome. That was until our lovely dog decided to relieve himself inside of our new fort. How many know that that doesn't mix well with cardboard? Whew. It, it wasn't new anymore. It wasn't new. But we literally just loved that. In the same way that me and my brother had a blast and we were so enamored with something new. And the amazing excitement of that. 
I believe and know that our amazing church and you as a family and you as an individual today, you are on the brink of something new. Pastor Caleb and I have talked about it for, for months now. But there has been a stirring in our church. There's been a stirring in this body of believers. And no matter that we are walking through some challenging times and transitions right now, that stirring is still happening. We're feeling something new transpiring and, and transcending what, the, what may have taken place, but what God wants to do in this place in our hearts and in our lives. And it's not just in this body of believers. There's something new that's happening in the, the lives and the hearts of the believers that are here as a part of this church. He wants to do something new in you today. But how many know that knowing that something new is coming isn't enough? Knowing that there's something new coming in the mail, there isn't, it isn't just enough. So the title of my message today is this, and it's probably been on the screen for a bit, but the title of my message today is Seize the New. Say that with me, Seize the New. You may have heard the term before, carpe diem. Anybody heard carpe diem before? And that means what? Seize the day, seize the day. I want to teach you a new Latin phrase this morning, hopefully that you can apply to your heart, and I want you to say it with me. Carpe, Carpe. novus. Carpe novus. It means seize the new. I'm going to seize the new. I'm going to grab hold of that new that's right before me today, that gift that God has placed in my life. I'm going to seize the new. If you will, look in your Bibles with me, turn in your Bibles, or open up your YouVersion app to John chapter 5 this morning. We're going to read from the Gospel of John this morning, chapter 5. The scriptures will be on the screen for you as well. We'll be reading from the New Living Translation. We're going to begin again with verse number 1. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the sheep gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people that were blind and lame and paralyzed, they lay on the porches. Now one of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. 38 years. When Jesus saw him, And knew that he had been ill for a long time. He asked him, would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said. For I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. And Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat. And he began walking. If you will, bow your heads with me. God, we bless you. This is a new day. We bless you and thank you, God, for this opportunity to be in your house. Not only to worship you in spirit and in truth, but God, for you to speak to the core of us as we break the bread of life together. Lord, I pray, Father, this message that you have placed on my heart today, God, that you will speak through me today. Let us all hear your word and apply it. Not just hear it but apply it to our our lives today. Lord, let us seize the new that you have for us, and we bless you for it. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. In this familiar passage of Scripture, we learn of the pool of Bethesda. In Hebrew, it's also known as house of mercy. Now, it was believed that an angel of the Lord at a certain time, at a certain season 
would go into the pool and would stir the water of the pool. Now, when the water of this pool, the pool of Bethesda, was stirred, the first individual, the first person to step into that pool would be healed from whatever disease that they had. So no matter if they were blind, if they were lame, if they were paralyzed, whatever their sickness, their disease, it didn't matter how long they been, uh, had been sick, no matter what was going on in their life, the first person to get into the pool was healed and healed in that moment. Now, when I first heard this story when I was, when I was young and in church and just continued when I heard pool of Bethesda, naturally, I thought of a pool like I had ever experienced. Maybe a pool in a backyard or maybe a, like a natatorium, like a, a, an Olympic-sized pool somewhere. This pool of Bethesda was nothing like that. This pool of Bethesda was gigantic. Uh, it had five, as it said in the, in the Word, it said there were five porches, covered porches. When we talk about this, these were uh, other versions uh, called them porticos or portices. These were gigantic por uh, porches and colonnades with big, huge columns on them. They were gigantic and they were filled with tons of people. The pools that were there was actually two separate pools that were there uh, at, that was the pool of Bethesda. They were 20 feet deep and it is believed that these pools were the size of a football field. Okay, huge. Okay, think about uh, F.S. Garrison Stadium and other stadiums that you've been to. Think about the size of a 100-yard football field. I think it's 50 yards wide, I want to say. This huge, gigantic place. So this gigantic pool is there. And the Bible tells us that there were crowds of sick people around the pool. Other versions said that it was a great number of people. Now, how many you know when the Bible talks about crowds of people and a great number of people? They're not talking about 20 or 30 or 40 or 50. They're usually talking about similar to multitudes. They're talking about hundreds, if not thousands, of sick and lame that lay in these, in these porches, that lay around this pool. For what reason? But to be healed. That's their only hope. Their source of hope was the pool. That as soon as the angel stepped into the water and the waters would be stirred, that they would step into that pool and they could be the first one. If I could only be the first one that could be called, that my name could be called and I could be in that pool. So why then? If there's so many people, if there's hundreds and maybe even a thousand people around this gigantic pool of Bethesda, why when Jesus walked into that moment that day, why did Jesus choose one man? Why did he choose one? When we know Jesus has the power to walk in, he, Jesus as the Son of God is greater than the angel that would come and stir. Jesus could put his finger into the water and stir it himself, and, and all that came and, and touched that water could be healed in that moment. He could speak the word and healing would go, just go. How amazing would that miracle be? Except he chose he chose one. What was it about this man? What was it about him that Jesus would choose him? The Bible says that he was, had been sick. He had been lame. He was an invalid for 38 years. 38 years. Almost four decades. Now, we don't know from Scripture if he was uh, sick from birth or, or when the sickness, when he was stricken uh, with this sickness, that he couldn't walk, uh, that, that he was completely lame and all of that. We don't know where that come from, where, when he suffered from that condition. Unable to care for himself. 
longing inside of his heart for 38 years to be healed, longing to walk like everybody else that he saw walk beside him, 38 years. An amazing note that I learned in studying uh, this passage of Scripture is that in that specific time frame and in that specific area, the average lifespan was only 28 years of age. 28 years of age. So this man in this moment now had been sick for a decade longer than he was ever able to, uh, expected to live even if he was well. So he had lived in this season of his life for almost four decades longing for healing and his only source of hope was this pool of Bethesda. I think about our current life. We have a few bad days, a few bad weeks and what do we do with it? We hang our head in shame and and, and just hang our head, don't know what to do. We're ready to throw in the towel. This man for 38 years believed, laying at this pool, believing in that pool of Bethesda. Jesus chose this man intentionally. He chose him, and I believe this for my first point this morning, so that his healing would prove to all of us that it's never too late for a miracle. It's never too late for a miracle. So I tell you this morning, so no matter how long you have waited, no matter how long you have been longing for healing, and you've been longing for reconciliation, no matter how long you've been believing for change in your life, no matter how long you've been expecting a promise to come to pass, it is never too late for God to intervene in your situation. It may have been four decades. It may have been five decades. It may have been five days. Whatever it may be, it is never too late. Don't lose hope in a miracle-working God that can speak and can intervene in your life and to bring about change. It is never too late for God to turn your anxiety into comfort, to turn your brokenness into something beautiful. Can I get an amen? To, get your, to turn your shame into his glory, to turn your pain into his purpose. And I love this, to turn your fear into the fuel for his future that he has for you. It is never, never too late for a miracle. Never too late for a miracle. I've said it before in speaking from time to time. I'm next to the youngest of seven kids. One of my older brothers, if he was here today, he would echo this sentiment that he has always referred to himself as the black sheep of our family. The reality is we're all cut from the same mold. There's no black sheep in our family. We're all, we're all the same. But one of my older brothers, his brother, lived, lived a very tough, tough life and went through a lot of things that, that nobody should go through. His, uh, his, his dad, uh, not my dad, but his, his dad from uh, my mom's first marriage was in the Navy, and when my uh, brother, my sister who has moved here, it was her dad as well, and another brother, when they were very young, uh, some bad choices were made, but a tragic accident took place, and he lost his life. That's tough. My brother, in his teen years, decided to turn away from what he knew to be right, he was raised in church just like I was. But he began turning away and seeking help and consolation from something other than God to deal with that pain that's inside of him, losing his dad. He turned to drugs and alcohol. Just 
literally destroyed his life. I remember when I was a kid that there were times that he stole from us. He was a drug dealer in our local town, and he stole from us just to try to, to, to score another, another sale or uh, whatever it may be, to have money to buy more drugs, to be able to sell more. Uh, he was consumed by addiction. Talked with my brother quite a bit over the last few years and got to hear stories, story after story, every drug and, and I'm not building this up just as part of a message, but probably every drug known to mankind he has, he has tried. And there's, there's probably 40, 50, 60 times that he should have been dead. The amount of drugs that he put in his system, the stories that he's told me, that he, uh, positions that he put in himself, situations that he put himself in, that he ended up being arrested and, and in prison and just so many things. My mom, who's sitting here today, moved here a couple of years ago. I remember hearing her cry out, God, save my son. Save my son. Believing, knowing that the seeds of truth had been planted in his heart as a young boy. Believing that, that change would come to his life, that he would come to his senses. And believing that it was never too late for a miracle. I'm happy to tell you today that 18 years later, 18 years, that woman cried and prayed and believed for transformation. But 18 years later, he gave his heart back to an amazing God and was completely transformed. 18 years believing for that miracle. If that's you in this place, if you've been believing for a young one, I want you to know a, a loved one, maybe... Maybe you've been for many years yourself. I'm telling you, it's never too late. It's never too late for a miracle. My brother this day lives in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. There's been some ups and, the down, and downs, but over the last, I don't know, probably, I can't remember how many years, I want to say seven or eight years, that he has been completely clean and completely sober. He helps lead worship at his church, at the Heart Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, he's used almost on a daily basis, ministering to people on Facebook, uh, people from his past in New Mexico that have been bound by drug addiction for years, that God uses him on a daily basis because it's never, it's never too late for a miracle. It's never too late. So today I tell you, seize the new, believe that it's never too late. Carpe noos. Growing up, I lived in a single-parent home with my mom for most of my childhood. And I know my mom worked incredibly hard to make ends meet. When you're in a single-parent home, it is, it's tough to make ends meet. We knew that it was a struggle. We knew that it was a constant stress on her life. I remember in my early teens, the first time that I opened up the mailbox and saw Publishers Clearinghouse sweepstakes. Anybody remember Publisher's Clearinghouse? Man, I fixated on that. I know my mom probably heard it over and over. I was like, Mom, we got it. We got to turn this thing in. I'm telling you, like, this is what, this is it. Like, this is the miracle. This is what I'm sure I was just like hundreds of other and probably millions of other Americans that dealing with financial struggle. I would just so believe this is how God's going to do it. Like, I didn't believe we were just going to win. I believe this was how God was going to bring the miracle to our life. I just, just so was focused on it. 
I remember uh, later on a few years in the 90s when the Publishers Clearinghouse started surprising a family after the Super Bowl. Anybody remember that? We would be at a, at a church Super Bowl party to watch the Super Bowl, and I remember sitting there thinking, how are they going to know we're here? We're not home. Like, I know God's going to bring us this miracle. Like, this is how it's going to happen. I'm focused. That's what's going to happen. How are they going to know that I'm at, at, at our pastor's house? I'm not at home. Just amazing. Focused in on it. I wanted so badly for my mom to no longer have to worry about where our next meal was coming from. I didn't want her to have to worry about how we were going to pay the bills that month. I was so fixated on the miracle of what that could happen that I forgot to focus on the miracle worker. How many know that when you're desperate, you attach your belief to anything that gives you a shimmer of hope? And if we aren't too careful, we lock in on only one way for our answer to come. To seize the new that God has for us in this new season of life. My second point is this. We must fix our focus. We must fix our focus. The invalid's response to Jesus was this. I can't, sir. I can't get well. Someone always beats me into the pool. I can't achieve what I've put all my hope into. The pool of Bethesda in that moment had become his only hope. His only path to healing. It was the only way that he could see him ever walking again. So many times in our life we set our minds and we set our focus on only one way for that healing to come. For only one way for reconciliation to come in our life. Only one way for deliverance to come in our life. Only one way for our dreams to be realized. Naturally, we focus on the miracle rather than the miracle worker. But in that moment, Jesus, the son of the living God, had walked into his life. Out of all those hundreds of people, he walked into his life. The invalid's response was, I can't, sir. I don't have anybody to put me in the pool. He was so focused on the pool of Bethesda as his hope that his answer was standing right in front of him and he couldn't see it because his focus was on that pool. His focus was on the pool of Bethesda. Now maybe this resonates with you this morning. I know it speaks to the core, to my core this morning. What in your life right now have you allowed to steal your focus? What are you fixated on that you think will bring you peace? Uh, Are you zeroed in on what you think will bring you wealth? Are you focused on your work and your daily life instead of focusing on him? Are you focused on your pool of Bethesda? Whatever it may look like in your life, are you focused on that? What if the answer that you have prayed for, what if the answer that you've longed for, that you've believed for, was standing right in front of you? The invalid's focus had had moved to how he best saw his miracle taking place. And maybe you've done the same thing. We must fix our focus up on Jesus. When When our focus is rightly placed, when it's placed on him, answers will come. 
clarity in our hearts and in our lives will come. Miracles, because it's never too late, miracles will come. Transformation will come in our life when our focus is set on Him. So again, to truly seize the new, to carpe novus, we must fix our focus and fixate on the only, only one worthy of our focus. Now we come to the question, would you like to get well? Anybody else feel like that's an odd question for Jesus to ask? But the man's been sick for 38 years. You know, you know, like, would you like to get well? It appears to be an obvious question. It appears to be an obvious question with an obvious answer. I don't know about anybody else, but uh, I'll let you peer into uh, my amazing wife and our relationship. One of the things that frustrates her most in life is when I ask a question that I already know the answer to. Anybody else? I saw a few elbows going. Anybody else get frustrated with that? Yeah. Babe, it's obvious from Scripture Jesus did the same thing, so I'm just trying to be like Jesus. (laughs) As I said earlier, Jesus did everything intentionally. Jesus already knew the answer to the question. And the invalid thought he knew the answer to the question. But he didn't really know the answer to the question. Would you like to get well? In the King James Version, it reads, Will thou be made whole? I know it means the same thing, but the word whole just puts a whole nother spin on it. Do you want to be whole? Do you not only want to be well, not, not, do you want to be whole? Jesus knew that true healing, that complete healing, that wholeness of mind, body, and soul will never be realized until we are ready for it ourselves. Until we are truly ready to answer his question. To answer his question. How do we do that? How do we answer his question? It is so easy for us to become accustomed with our crutches. It's so easy for us to be used to the condition that we're in. Comfortable with less than what God has for us. I can see that, that invalid. 38 years that he's walked in this. Or not walked. 38 years that he's lived in this with the pain day in and day out. Not being able to walk. Not having anybody to care for him. 38 years. So easy to become accustomed to the, to the current reality. Maybe that's what Jesus was asking him. Are you comfortable with your current reality? I'm convinced that one of the enemy's greatest tactics that he uses against the church today is exactly that. Comfort. It's easy to get comfortable. It's easy. I want to say that again. It's easy to get comfortable. I ask you today, are you comfortable with your current reality? Are you comfortable? Uh, What are you comfortable with with today? Are you like the invalid sitting on the edge of the pool, comfortable with the hurt that you've been feeling for years, comfortable with the pain that you've been dealing with, comfortable with the shame in your life, comfortable with the brokenness, 
or comfortable with the fear that has bound you for years. We have to get to the place that we are real with ourselves. Looking ourselves in the mirror, coming face to face with the battle that is within us. Earlier this week I was reading in Psalms 42.5 came and just spoke to me in this moment. In the NIV, King David says this and he speaks to himself. He says, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? And then he says this to, him, to himself, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. King David gave us a great example in that moment to speak to your inner self. Now, I don't know about anybody else. As I get older, my kids are like, are you talking to yourself again? Like, yes, I'm talking to myself. Sometimes that's important. We got to get to the point where we can look ourselves in the mirror and speak to that inner self and say, no, I'm not going to fixate on those troubles. I'm not going to fixate and allow my focus to be shifted off of, of Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. That not today, not today self, not today devil, I'm not going to be that today, okay? I'm going to focus on him. He's the one that I've got to put my hope in. He's the one that I've got to put my trust in. Can I say, can you say an amen this morning? He's the one. I love this, that it, King David goes on and says, for I will what? Yet. I will yet praise him. That means that I'm still aware of my situation. I'm still aware of the hurt and the pain that I've been walking through. I'm still aware of the trials that are staring me in the face. I'm still aware that I've been sitting here waiting for healing like the invalid for 38 years. But I will yet praise him. I will yet praise him in this moment. And praise Him in this day. And when we get to the point where we can truly be real with ourselves. Focusing on ourselves in the mirror. Getting down to the root of whatever it is that we're dealing with. We are then at that point able to answer the question. Will thou be made whole? And the answer then. Because we've had that realness inside of us. Is a resounding yes. God, I don't want a surface healing. I don't want just the surface. I want you to get to the core of me. I want you to change the inside. I want you to change my mind. Change the way I think. Change the way I process. So that I can walk this thing out that you've called us to do. Answer his question. Worship team, if you guys will, come on back. Believing it's never too late for a miracle. Man, that's powerful. Fixing our focus back on Jesus and digging deep into ourselves to answer his question. Those are awesome keys to seizing the new that God has for our lives. But church, it can't stop there. It can't stop there. We find our fourth and final key this morning. In verses 8 and 9, and Jesus said in verse 8, Stand up, pick up your mat, (laughs) and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat, and he began what? He began walking. Now, Jesus spoke faith where true faith had not been. He spoke hope 
where hopelessness was found. He spoke life into a lifeless soul that all he could do was sit and lay on the side of a pool hoping for the angel to stir the waters. He spoke life into him. Instantly the man was healed. I know we all wish and believe for this man's type of healing and answer in our life that we can have instantly. But God's plan so many times, just like with Colton this morning, in opening these presents, so many times there's steps to the process. So many times it includes a journey to the healing that we're believing for. A journey to deliverance. A journey to the promise that he has birthed inside of your soul. It's a process by which that we grow closer to him and we learn more from him. But point number four, the key is in the action. He rolled up his mat and he began walking. He acted on it. He didn't just hear a word. He didn't just want to do it. He acted on it. And we seize the new when we believe again that it's never too late for a miracle. We fix, when we fix our focus on Jesus and when we truly answer his question, and then again when we act on it. If you will stand with me, bow your heads this morning. Maybe the last few years, the last few months, the last few weeks of your life have been hard. I know 2020 and 2021 have been difficult for all of us. Maybe it has been riddled with confusion. Maybe it has been wrought with additional pain in your life. Maybe you stand here today and these weeks have been plagued by additional addiction I urge you today church body seize the new seize the new today take a step act on it maybe you've lost hope maybe you've been praying for a lost loved one You've been believing for healing for years and maybe you've lost hope and need to be reminded in this place today that it's never too late. Maybe your focus, like the invalid, has shifted more towards your need rather than the answer that's standing right in front of you today. Maybe it's time for you to be real with yourself in this moment so that you can truly answer his question. If that's you this morning, or if all of those you feel like you've walked across those bridges, but you need to act on it, today is your day. I ask our, our prayer team to come forward. These altars are open for you today.
They're open for you to seize the new in this moment. Don't walk out of this place the same way you walked into this place today. I want you to seize what God has for you today in this moment. So that Monday morning when you open up your eyes, it's a new day that you look forward to. It's a new day that you walk in healing. It's a new day that you walk in hope. It's a new day that you walk in the life that God wants and has for you. If that's you, our worship team is going to sing here in just a moment. But I encourage you, these altars are open. Don't walk out of this place the same way today. Come forward and let our team agree with you today in prayer. Seize the new in your life at this moment. Carpe knows. Seize the new today. Jesus, the miracle worker, stands right before you. God, we bless you. We praise you in this place. We praise you, God. Father, we ask you, God. I ask you this morning, God, speak to the core of your people here today. Speak to their hearts and their lives, God. God, don't let them walk out of this place the same way. You stand before us, God. You stand before us, God, begging us to seize the new that you have for us today. Lord, let us take the step. Let us take the step. In your mighty name, Jesus. In your mighty name, Jesus.